Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host. And uh, what uh, what has happened in the last couple of days? Can you believe it? I just can't believe uh, what has been going on. Um, just amazing. A- absolutely amazing. I have never gotten more emails than I am getting now. And uh, I have to... Uh, I have another tech problem. I'm away from home. I'm not sure what happened. Hang on just a second here. Something strange. It's like the computer's been taken over. This happened a couple of weeks ago, too. I have no idea why these things are opening, and it has to be uh, just a bizarre situation why these things would open. But anyway, I'm so excited because we have just the right person here on the show to talk about it. We have Ralph Blumenthal. Uh, before I get into that quickly, I want to talk about our blog this week. And uh, it's called UFOs at, uh, no, UFOs, Science and Controversy at the University of Colorado. And so check that out. It's over uh, another great blog by uh, Ralph. I'm sorry, by, (laughs) boy, I'm having a tough start, um, by Charles Lear. So check that out. And we have Ralph coming up. And uh, I'm getting all mixed up, Ralph. you got to bail me out here. (laughs) It's the aliens. aliens. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I had this happen a couple of weeks ago. Something just started playing on my computer. Now, this was like a music file just decided to pop up and start playing. I have no idea why. But uh, you can't hear it over the radio, but I certainly can hear it. Anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, and this short notice. But wow, uh, amazing last 48 hours, huh? A lot's happened. A busy week, yep. And uh, And you, you know... A lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, 60 minutes goes on and, you know, my email, everything lights up, text, you name it. And uh, I'm sure that's happening to you because a lot of what they covered in the 60 minutes is something that you covered four years ago, basically. I mean, there was a lot of repeat, um, but it, it it's a vast audience. And uh, we're really there's a lot of changes happening when you agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's moved a lot since uh, 2017 when we broke the story of the uh, secret uh, Pentagon unit uh, investigating, you know, UFOs, UAPs, whatever they want to call them now. Um, So 60 Minutes, uh, you know, brought it to the fore again with uh, somebody we interviewed uh, a little bit after that, Ryan Graves, a fighter pilot, uh, with some new information. But um, it's, it's catching on, no doubt about it. I think one of the, uh, to me, kind of the most profound statement that was made in that whole interview was with him when he said these things were happening on a daily basis. Now, he may have mentioned that before, but I just, it really hit. Um, did he talk about that before? Well, uh, we were talking about incidents on the Nimitz in 2004, um, and they were happening a lot then. Um, I think this, this, and they continued, continue, continued and are continuing. So he kind of brought it up to date. Um, but, uh, it was really, you know, more of what we, he had told us originally that these things were, were common on the, you know, seen from the Nimitz that they were sent up to investigate. Uh, they happened again with the Roosevelt in 2014, 2015, so it's really a an update of what had been happening then and continues to happen. That's right. That's right. And um, and in the whole world it seems to be a buzz. I would like to read you this comment um, from uh, one of my longtime listeners um, because it's not the only comment that I've received similar to this. 
So here, here it goes. Uh, she wants to remain anonymous. Um, I write you out of frustration and astonishment regarding the amount of hatred toward uh, Lou Elizondo, Leslie Kane, and AATIP, ATIP. This week is historic for removing the stigma surrounding UFOs. Never in my lifetime has mainstream media taken this phenomenon so seriously, but here it is, a form of disclosure covered in 60 Minutes, Ezra Klein's op-ed in the New York Times, The New Yorker, Morning Joe, Kumo Primetime, to name a few. And so I go over to UFO updates on Facebook, expecting folks to share their excitement regarding coverage, but they're all, I find all their grievances, conspiracy theories to debunk other conspiracy theories and 50 comments stating that there is no evidence that uh, Lou Elizondo was head of ATIP. Never I've seen a group of people handed what they wanted for so long for UFOs to be taken seriously and then griping about the messengers. I'm truly godsmacked. And thank you for your show. I hope you might say a good word in this historic week. For one, I'm thinking about all the people who saw something they didn't understand in the skies, but they could finally share their fear without fear of ridicule. Um, so what do you think of that statement? I've, I've, I see this in the UFO community a lot. Uh, okay, Ralph, it's your turn. You froze. There oh. you You just froze. Sorry, you're back. Okay. I'm back. Um, yeah. It is familiar to me because when Leslie Kane and I were writing our uh, most recent stories, uh, we got a lot of negative comment uh, on the Internet, uh, not from you know serious people, but from people who uh, like to hash these things over and conspiracy theorists uh, who w- wondered why we weren't writing this and not that. Um, uh, there was a lot of speculation of what we were you know, trying to put out in The New York Times before we were ever you know, writing it. Um, it's a very incestuous community. Um, it's the Wild West, as we know. Um, we just, you know, stuck to the, the facts, the story. We continue to report it. But um, there's a lot of negative, uh, you know, vibes out there. So I'm not terribly surprised. There was a lot of um, speculation that Lou Elizondo wasn't who he seemed to be, that he never, you know, headed ATIP. It's all nonsense. We confirmed it. We put that in the New York Times. We saw the documentation. We know exactly what his uh, leadership role was at ATIP. Um, We never would have put out the stories we put out starting in 2017 if we hadn't, you know, fully documented his history. So uh, there are people out there who love to, you know, make trouble and to, you know, foment the insurrection, (laughs) whatever. But uh, we stick to the facts and and our, our facts have not been questioned. Right. And, you know, I, I, I try to figure it out. You know, I personally am not that big on social media. I kind of went off of it um, almost completely like a year ago, but I'm still, I still have my show active, you know, on Facebook and Twitter, things like that. But I try to stay away from um, that sideline of buzz um, because uh, when I get, if I get involved in some of those discussions, um, I start getting anxiety and I, I, I just don't want to be bothered with uh, some of the negativity, I'm not saying it's all negative. There's some really positive things too, but, um, uh, and I'm glad you say that you're sticking to the facts because I think really um, when it comes down to it, yes, the Pentagon did say that, you know, there was, uh, and they, they're known for doing this type of thing. They did kind of deflect it by saying, no, he wasn't part of this, but later it was confirmed by, uh, I believe even Harry Reid, 
I believe, confirmed it. No, um, but, you know, Martin, I wrote a book on John Mack, the Harvard psychiatrist who investigated alien abduction. Um, and uh, he dealt with this. Uh, there's the book. Thank you. Um, yeah. uh, alien uh, Encounters, Hard Science and the Passion of John Mack. A believer. Uh, he dealt with this. Uh, he was, uh, you know, looking to understand these stories of people, ordinary people with the most stupefying accounts of uh, alien interactions. Uh, he never got to the bottom of it. We, we may or may never get to the bottom of it. But he, he proceeded very methodically into checking out their stories, listening to them. Um, they were not publicity seekers. They were not deranged. You know, they were children as young as two years old uh, telling these stories. So they were not you know, echoing books they had read or movies they'd seen. So this is not unfamiliar to me. I've seen this happen, you know, with other stories I've covered for the New York Times and certainly the story of John Mack. So there's some people who need to, you know, uh, constantly raise questions, foment things. But as I say, we we stuck to the facts. We documented everything we said in the New York Times was attributed. Um, there were no anonymous sources um, and I was glad to see that 60 Minutes picked up the account of Ryan Graves um, and Dave Fravor, pilots who we'd interviewed and, you know, told their stories in the New York Times. So um, well, you can't get distracted by what's going on, you know, in the Internet, the chatter uh, that, uh, they, you know, I don't know what some people have as a, you know, ruling emotion, whatever. But uh, uh, we, we just stick to the facts. Right. Um, I thought that was great that Alex... Um, the um, lady pilot decided to finally, you know, come forward. I, I had heard uh, her first name only, and I was uh, thrilled to see that she Alex actually Dietrich. felt comfortable. Alex Dietrich, yeah. the wingman, wingman, wingwoman. <laughs> yeah. Dave Frava. And uh, to get, she confirmed his account that they had seen something uh, entering or exiting the water, which is extraordinary because these things don't operate only in the skies. They seem to operate underwater. They have a multi dimensional uh, media uh, ability. So, yeah. uh, and she confirmed that. So that's interesting. What, you know, what nobody knows, of course, is what these things are. Uh, but at least we've gotten to the point where we, we are acknowledging their physical reality in the Pentagon, more important than we, uh, the, the government, the Pentagon is acknowledging that these things exist in, in reality. Um, they have a phys- physicality, uh, that was not acknowledged before. That people were saying, "Well, they're spiritual constructs, they're archetypes, they're you know imagined uh, you know objects, whatever." Now we know from you know the thermal imaging devices and the radar and the uh, uh, personal testimony of pilots like Dave Fravor and Alex Dietrich that these things are real. Yeah, to- totally, totally amazing. Um, and so someone had a someone had a question. That um, they wanted, yeah. I just had the music start to play on my computer again. I have no idea what's going on. Um, so the question that popped up here, going back to the John Mack book, what was your biggest takeaway from your experience writing on the book of John Mack? Miles will ask that since we talked about your book a minute ago. Um, yeah. Well, uh, the interesting thing is that uh, as outlandish as these stories seem to be, of people, you know, normal people encountering uh, alien beings and being beamed up to their spacecraft or, you know, hybrid breeding and all these stories that are people told either uh, both consciously and in hypnotic regression, but but also consciously. It's important to remember these were not suggestions planted by hypnotists. These are things that to some extent they remembered. 
Um, and it happened to them, you know, not only at night in their bedrooms and so-called dreams, but uh, driving their cars. In one case, a woman driving a snowmobile, people walking, you know, by themselves with others. Um, so the extraordinary thing was that these stories had a consistency um, and yet different details that made them more uh, credible in a way that they were not reading off some script, these people. And John Mack just followed the, the trail of evidence. He said it's the kind of evidence that gets people convicted in court and executed. Uh, it's yeah. anecdotal. It's, it's, it, there is no proof, I mean, that we can come up with. There's no acceptable, there's no ashtray from a UFO. There's no video of alien abductions. And yet these accounts are so persistent and uh, and so uh, and told with such suitable affect you know people crying and they're weeping and they're cursing as they're recounting their experiences you know with these alien beings so um mac found them credible enough to uh, you know to, to put in two books he wrote and that's my takeaway that there's something there it's interesting we don't know what it is just you know it hasn't reached the level of confirmation that we have with ufos that's for sure um, but there's a lot of stuff out there that we don't understand. That's right. And if anyone's up, you know, watching this and you missed the show that Ralph and I did together about his book and John Mack, you can go back on several, I don't know how many episodes ago. Uh, I think it was like uh, four, maybe five episodes ago. You can check that out. Just one more uh, Mac question. I want to get back quickly to the, uh, after this, to what we're talking about. Uh, will your work on Mac lead you, uh, well, well, where will that lead you for uh, upcoming work or is it going to? Uh, uh, you know, there is no answer, as I say at the end of the book. Um, we don't know, uh, you know, how to explain these uh, amazing stories uh, that are so real to the people who experience them. So I'm continuing to to look into them. I've talked to some experiences just a few minutes ago. I was, actually, I was on the phone with one of the experiences who had a very interesting story so there's a lot more to, to write about. I'm, I'm looking into it. I don't know, you know, where we'll lead. Uh, as I say, I don't think we're going to solve that problem in the next few minutes or a few hours or a few years. But um, it is certainly intriguing. And the, the number of people coming forward who have already come forward and continue to come forward with these stories and have these encounters um, is is extraordinary. Um, so it is it's a constant obsession of mine now, as it was for John Mack um, before he was run over in London and killed by a drunk driver. Uh, he he was fascinated to get to and he was courageous enough to risk a, a professorship at Harvard uh, and a career in psychiatry to continue to ask these questions. And he was investigated by Harvard and they basically said there was no reason to discipline him uh, in the end. Um, so um, it is a, it is an ongoing mystery. Right, right. Uh, getting back to the um, 60 Minutes, here's a question that came in. And I'm not sure if you even know this. I know you, you, uh, uh, you are uh, not working at the New York Times. You, do, you have done articles and you were. Uh, but the question is, uh, what was or is the buzz on the current UFO UAP events with insiders of the New York Times? Do you happen to know well, any of that? No, I mean, I'm not on the staff anymore. I left the staff in 2009. I continue to contribute articles, not just on UFOs, but other subjects. So I don't know, you know, what the buzz is at the New York Times, but, you know, we're very interested. Everyone at the New York Times, like, you know, other, you know, mainstream media and 
news outlets over the world are very interested in um, what's going on. There is an, uh, a report being prepared um, uh, by the uh, uh, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, uh, right. which is the successor to ATIP. Um, that is due uh, next month. I, I think it may be delayed because there's so much, you know, left to investigate. And, uh, I don't know how, how much will be classified, how much will be open to the public. Uh, so there's a lot of speculation, including on the 60 Minutes broadcast, uh, about this report and anticipation uh, of it, which is, you know, has to be delivered to Congress at some point. But um, I think it would be very possible, even likely, for them to say, uh, you know, we're not quite ready uh, by the six-month deadline since the um, Defense Authorization Act was passed uh, in December, um, uh, that we need a little more time. And uh, the Congress yeah. always, you know, gives extra time for things like that. So uh, I wouldn't set my watch to next month's report. Yeah, I, I think I've mentioned that a couple of times on this show that that's probably what's going to happen. It's going to be extended. But um, how do you think the new the uh, 60 minutes episode on the UAP, um, do you think that is going to cause more pressure for constituents of some of these people involved in the research to get in touch with them and say, hey, you know, we watch 60 minutes to. And we saw Marco Rubio and, 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 and all that. What's going on? You know, do you think that's going to have an impact in any type of way? Well, you know, Harry Reid and, um, uh, and members of Congress, Harry Reid was majority leader, Democratic majority leader for many years, uh, have, have often said that there needs to be uh, more courage in Congress to step up and uh, examine these issues. There's very few people who have, you know, been – um, coming out forward, Marco Rubio is one, uh, but really very few people have uh, made public comments on this, which is quite striking because Congress, members of Congress are not known for their shyness and reticence. But this is one issue uh, that really has them, you know, um, uh, muffled. Um, the, the ridicule factor is still strong out there. Um, but again, increasingly, uh, the Navy has stepped up and said, you know, we want our people to come forward and, uh, and report these uh, observations, these sightings. This is something new, actually, since the New York Times article came out in 2017. Uh, right. That ice has been broken. And, you know, whereas in the past, it was kind of a career end uh, to admit that you as a, Navy, as a sailor or jet pilot, you know, saw some of these anomalous things. Um, now the Navy is saying we want to we want to collect this information. So that's a big breakthrough. But members of Congress have not been notably uh, forthcoming on this. I think they don't see it as a necessarily a, a career advancer. It won't help them when they run for election and their opponent you know, points them out and ridicules them. So they need to be a little more uh, forthcoming and to uh, just ask the questions. You know, nobody has the answers, but ask the questions. You know, what information has been collected already? Uh, by the government, you know, by the Pentagon, um, and what r still remains to be done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, you know, kind of along those lines, but and I believe is, you know, in your last or one of your last articles, the question up here, is there any follow-up at all on the meta material um, from the uh, New York Times article? Uh, yeah, that's a very difficult area of uh, reportage because it's highly classified, uh, we wrote about as much as, as we could. 
And, uh, you know, you talk about the chatter on the Internet. We were the subject of a lot of speculation. We, the, the New York Times, Leslie Kane and I, a lot of speculation. Uh, why isn't the Times reporting this and why don't they say this? And we report as much as we can confirm and, and we can put on the record from people who are willing to have their names attached to a story. We're not going to report anonymous stuff, uh, rumors or speculation, which you can do easily on the Internet. But we don't do it in the New York Times. So, um, and we haven't done it in the other UFO stories. We really stuck to what we can, you know, uh, attribute to uh, people with knowledge. Um, so we reported as much as we could that uh, members of Congress and congressional committees were briefed on um, some reported recoveries of materials, uh, possible crash recoveries. We reported that. Um, the materials were being analyzed according to uh, the briefings to congressional committees. Um, more than that, uh, we, we don't we don't know to the to the point where we can say it in the paper. So uh, stay tuned. I mean, it's obviously uh, a matter of, of great interest. It's a cutting. It's at the cutting edge of the story. Um, but uh, you know, we're not going to go off and, and, and speculate and, and spout off on on rumors. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone just wrote about the, uh, the internet, uh, about the rumors, um, that are going around. I haven't looked into them myself, uh, too much, but, um, you know, one of the questions that comes up a, a lot when people will email me and say, Hey, look, you know, I just saw this or whatever, and listen to one of your shows. And, you know, a lot of new people are listening. Um, but they ask me, um, you know, it's, are there more videos? Do you think the, the videos, and I forgot, I had Lou Elizondo on last week. I forgot to ask him his opinion of the videos out there. Do you think we will actually have more released or do you think, you know, any part of this, uh, would be subject to something that the task force might eventually, um, well, you know, be involved in releasing? I mean, we, we at the New York Times put out three Navy videos, which are getting, still getting tremendous exposure, even on 60 Minutes. That's all they show are these Navy videos. Now, uh, yes. several more have come out more recently. Um, so there are definitely more videos, uh, no doubt about it. And there are longer s- segments of the videos than what we were able to, to put out. Um, they're much longer and more detailed and more complete. So, um, but they're, I don't know how many are classified, but they're certainly not in the public domain as the ones we were able to put out uh, on the New York Times web. Um, So there are definitely more videos. Uh, I'm sure they're very interesting videos. Um, The question is when the government will see fit to to put them out. Uh, Will will they be put out as part of the UAP report? Um, That remains to be seen. You know, one of the things, even though I, I already knew this, but it was it still kind of hit me when I'm watching this 60 minute segment is the fact that, uh, you know, Alex, the uh, pilot said, well, I can talk about this um, because it's not classified. And it, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's not classified. But it almost seems like why wasn't that classified? I mean, it was such an extraordinary event. It just, in a way, it's kind of baffling why that was never classified. Well, the better question, Martin, is why is so much classified? This is our taxpayer dollars going into it. We we pay for the training of these pilots. We pay for these, you know, multi-million, billion-dollar ships and planes. Um, So this is all collected on our money. And uh, who is not entitled to this if if not the American people? Um, 
So you could say yeah. certain things uh, need to be classified because we don't want our adversaries to know uh, how advanced our technology is and what we know about this advanced technology. Let's say we're trying to reverse engineer uh, some of these, you know, uh, UFOs or UAPs. Um, how far have we gotten into, you know, cloaking and, you know, uh, uh, hypersonic speeds and, uh, uh, you know, all these advanced technologies? Uh, that's a legitimate, perhaps, uh, or, or almost certainly a legitimate uh, area for classification. Um, but what we have photographed and what we have, uh, you know, gotten on thermal imaging devices and uh, radar, um, certainly uh, more of that deserves to be made public. Absolutely. Ralph, thank you so much. And again, you know, check out his book. Um, you probably have a copy right in front of you, don't you? You can put up or not. I, I have this one right here. Shelf in the back. The Believer. Uh, uh, alien Encounters, Hard Science, and the Passion of John Mack about a Harvard psychiatrist who was not afraid to ask the tough questions. Excellent. Well, thanks again. As always, it's great talking to you, Ralph. Take like care. That. And I'm sure you're going to be very busy in the next few days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Appreciate all right. It. Take care. All right, everyone. So our guest is all the way from down under, and uh, he's in the future. He's on. Uh, it's Wednesday morning in Australia. Welcome to the show, Damien. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate yes, it. Damien. So I have seen a couple of movies that uh, you were in, documentaries um, that you were in. Um, uh, how many are there that you're in? There's quite a few you're featured in, right? Australian Skies. Uh, what are some other ones? Uh, there's Beyond the Spectrum, Fractured Realities, Part 1, 2, and 3. Uh, there's a couple Canadian ones coming out this year, um, an American one as well. Um, and also Haunted Skies is coming up, uh, which is one of my little personal babies I've work, been working on for a while now. So, Yeah, yeah. And let's, uh, for the person that doesn't know anything at all about you, uh, you know, you can look online, of course, and uh, you happen to be one of these people that have filmed a bunch of things. And so um, why you? Why are you able to see all these things? And why do you suppose that you're able to, um, I don't know, I don't want to say summon these things, but you have a, you're not the only one that has said this. Um, I heard you say that you have this feeling. And I've talked to other people that say exactly the same thing. They have this feeling, so they go outside, and sure enough, there's something there. So, so let's talk about how it all started and 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 how this all happened. Yeah, sure. Um, well, for me, it started when I was nine years old, thirty-three years ago. Um, I witnessed a red ball of light that was following me on the way home on a Sunday. I'd just seen my friend and I was late home. So I just looked up and I just saw this red ball of light. Might might have been maybe 15 feet, maybe 20 feet above me, probably the size of a basketball, maybe a little bit larger. And it was just a brilliant red color. I still remember it uh, quite clearly. Uh, And after about a minute and a half of it following me, it seemed to be mimicking my movements almost, which was really strange. And even as a kid, I knew that wasn't normal, obviously, but I got home and I told my mom about it and I was really excited. And she um, said, no, it was just an airplane. It was probably just an airplane straight away. So even from the age of nine, I started getting interested in the the topic. And then when I was 12, I uh, had a a sighting of another red ball of light uh, 
and I was camping out with my stepbrothers at the time and we were just looking up at the sky and it was a hot summer night and um, we're just in the backyard, you know, basically and a red light just started getting bigger and bigger and it seemed to be dropping down from the sky almost and then all of a sudden a blue light's come in and started chasing the red light around the sky and doing all these manoeuvres and, and another yellowy green coloured light came in and started doing the same thing. So these two coloured lights were chasing this red ball of light all around the sky and doing all sorts and stopping and with no forward inertia then going you know a 90 degree left-hand turn or a right-hand turn or something and then doing the same in this part of the sky and went on for about a good 10 maybe 15 minutes it was one of my longest sightings I've had in my life and you know my father witnessed it as well Um, you know we called him outside I didn't even realize at the time I just had my eyes peeled on the sky but apparently he saw it too and you know my brother saw it and even to this day we still talk about it every time we catch up so you know it was one of those things that really affected all of us and um but me it set me on um kind of a mission to find out what it was and you know what what I'd experienced the the three years prior as well by myself and um so I started you know borrowing all the books I could in libraries and you know from the school and everything from friends and anything about you know mysteries and trying to find out what it was you know and um and still and probably over my lifetime I you know read most of the books that are out there a good deal of them at least um, and I'd probably had about maybe just 10 to 15 sightings over my entire lifetime up until 10 years ago uh, or nine years ago now, back in 2012, um, when I moved up to the country here and um, and started seeing these white balls of light hovering over people's homes and moving over them slowly and doing all sorts of absolutely incredible things in the sky and similar things to what I'd seen over my lifetime a few times. And so I started uh, getting some camera equipment together and trying to record what I was seeing and so I could show people the evidence and uh, eventually I started getting a few captures and whatnot but it it started um, peaking at one point and um, so I called the UFO group from Sydney UFO Research New South Wales and they sent investigators up and um, all eight investigators they I mean they brought family up with them and everything and they witnessed UFOs go over their house the very minute they rocked up into town here in the afternoon still daytime and witnessed a massive uh like a, a almost like a old school Hollywood flying saucer, except you couldn't see any dome or anything. Just it was covered in an orange glow, just slowly gliding over the house. The second the lead investigator rocked up in town, so they were all blown away. And the following night, they witnessed UFOs as well that would stop when a, a torch was shown on them, and then they the colours would disappear and it would just hang there in the sky. And so, so um, and then Sun Herald journalists saw it as well. Um, who were in town, and you know, so uh, most of the people um, who who came into town witnessed stuff. We had people coming from all around Australia then when they put that in the newspaper that they witnessed two UFOs above the property here. Um, and so people were coming from everywhere to see it. So for I um, over the last decade, I've invested in about, you know, 60 different cameras trying to work out, you know, what looks like what, what are misidentifications, that kind of thing, trying to teach myself and learn about photography, basically a major crash course in photography. So, <laughs> Well, let's talk about some of the misidentifications. What what are often that, you know, that you have figured out to be something, you know, like a, a weather balloon, let's just say, I'm not saying that, but I mean, have you figured out, oh, oh, I see this is something else on some of these yeah. films? Yeah, there's weather balloons, there's planes at a distance leaving contrails, there's 
clouds even that can appear like, you know, lenticular clouds and others can appear like um, UFOs from a distance. There's contrails from a distance can appear really strange. Um, you know, there's lens flares, there's birds, bugs, insects of all different types that fly through our sky, you know, and then you've got your nighttime misidentifications, you've got your, your flash being used on your camera and people picking up bits of dust or pollen or moisture in the, you know, around and saying that they're UFOs or they're aliens or they're spiritual beings or they're dead family members or something. And in reality, people are just filming and photographing um, insects and bugs and stuff. You know, a lot of people just will, will put the camera to the sky and take three or four photos in a row. And then one of those photos, you'll see something little black and streaking across and instantly, oh, it, it's gotten a lot of people. And, and, and me at the start even as well, like a decade ago, I was making mistakes and that's why I was like, okay, you've got to learn from this. You, you, you know, you, you need to, um, and, and I, I noticed a, a lot of people in the UFO field would present those types of things as evidence as though they were special or they were, you know, Jesus or they were in contact with gods or aliens or this or that. And they present as evidence, a bird flying across and, you know, it's hardly evidence. It's, um, you know, it, it, it sort of puts a nail in the, the ufology coffin, so to speak, whenever, you know, this stuff sort of gets debunked. So I, uh, yeah. I started up a website and I, I decided to show all the different types of misidentifications. And I would go into different areas where there'd be heaps of dust or pollen or this or that, or I'd photograph birds flying on purpose, or I'd sit there and wait and patiently and try and photograph a fly or a bug or an insect and just on different, multiple different cameras, so I could work out what they look like on different formats, different quality cameras, different price ranges, you know, um, just to teach myself and uh, hopefully to teach others as well. So that was the idea in the first place. Yeah. I, I've seen some pictures of birds that, you know, people snap and not even see the bird in there. And when you first look at it, it does look like almost like a saucer shape or something. I mean, it's just the yeah. angle and the way their wings are and the whole thing. Um, yeah. You know, if you snap it just right, um, it can, yeah, it can fool you. It can, it's and I understand, the, you know. Yeah, the angles, it's all about the lighting. It's all about the uh, shutter speed on the camera, the quality of the camera. It's a whole bunch of different factors. The sensor, um, it can and add to that effect of it looking like a UFO. So, yeah. Um, what about, like, night vision? Do you ever take any, like, night vision uh, films? Oh, of, of something you see and and how does that come out uh grainy a lot of the time yeah. i mean uh the more you zoom in on on something it depends on the type of night vision camera you're using obviously and the quality and how much you're willing to spend and everything and but i mean we've, we've been capturing some really good night vision footage here um i use an igen 2020 myself um which is one of the only ones that can actually enable a video output so you can make the actual and it records to a um sd card as well but you can actually get better quality recording to an external output device and recording from that device so it's it's, it's pretty decent you know so anyone who's looking to get one i get asked that a lot of time a lot of the time um What's a great one, a good one to get, the iGen 2020. But uh, we've been capturing stuff like um, UFOs coming down, um, changing angles from the sky from up high, changing angles, then stopping above a mountain range um, and then flying at, at an even more solid, um, sharper angle down into the mountain and disappear completely. And I've got multiple bits of footage of this happening um, over a nine-month period now, which is really strange in this one area, which is in, in the town here, which is really bizarre. So, yeah, it, it's a very strange yeah. town, Dunedoo, so. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about the town just to let the um, YouTube um, person know that we're going to be playing a, a video in a minute and and uh, Damien's going to more or less not um, narrate um, what what we're seeing. But And also, if you're listening to this as an audio podcast, uh, we'll, uh, we'll try to link that um, so you can see just that part of it in the show notes. Um, so let's talk about the town. Why is it, you know, you, but, but you actually had sightings, a number of sightings before you moved there, which is kind of unusual. Then you moved to this town. Have, uh, so let's talk about it. Historically, were people talking about seeing things before you moved there? A number of people actually have seen things here, but it's, it's a very small town. There's about 750 people or something. So everybody knows everybody. And so you, yeah. it's not, UFOs are not exactly a subject, you know, that everyone wants to talk about openly around here. You don't want to be sort of as a crazy person. I don't care myself, but you know, I, I can understand why other people would, but, um, yeah, no, a lot of people do under the, under the table, they'll talk to you about the, what they've seen here in town. And a lot of people are seeing these orange balls of light, the white balls of light and the red balls of light around the town here. And that's predominantly what's been seen. And also blue cigar kind of looking, um, long elongated things and white elongated looking things as well. Um, like cigar shaped uh, objects or type of UAP, whatever. Um, so that's predominantly what we see. Um, and also, but what I've noticed about this town, it has a very strange geological makeup um, in the ground. There's a lot of quartz crystal, massive quartz crystal veins running through the entire town, um, right out to the farms on the outside of town out here. Um, and also, uh, it's one of the areas that also is heavy with ironstone. Um, and I know that um, other areas um, in America that have iron ore and other types of crystals like wordsite crystal, uh, well, not quartz crystal, do also seem to have um, unusual activity in the area. And here um, we seem to have very unusual storm activity, storms that very rarely come into the town. They just sit on the one spot on the edge of town with dramatic lightning effects constantly, um, and they don't seem to move past. They just hit the one spot. And there's one place in Esperance um, here in Western Australia over here uh, that has the same ironstone and the same quartz crystal content in the ground in this one place. Um, and they and the same thing happens with storms over there as well. They seem to stop on the one area and constantly strike the ground where the ironstone and the quartz crystal are. So whether that has something to do with um, why a lot of people are seeing these strange lights or phenomenon here in the town here, who really knows? But it's, it's a very strange. It's a it's it's an interesting thing to look into because um you know it's I, I, I'm not a person who just thinks that these things are just coming here from another planet and they're just constantly coming backwards and forwards, taking a bit of soil, you know, abducting a human or doing it once every now and then. This I think that they're here, they're around us. They're natural. Um, you know, I, I call the phenomenon paranatural phenomenon um, myself because I believe it's natural. I believe it's inherent to the universe. It's all around us. And possibly dark matter as well is possibly where these things are coming from or possibly existing in um, other dimensions or, you know, these are just human terms for, for these things. But they, they seem to be all coming from the same place uh, as well as paranormal phenomenon here on this earth as well. They seem to register on the same uh, you know, they affect the Earth's magnetic field. They're, they're visible to uh, infrared and fully modified uh, full-spectrum cameras as well, uh, where they can be naked to the uh, human eye. They, they can't be seen. Um, and also, you know, they seem to disappear and reappear in um, very similar ways 
as well. And there's uh, associated with smells, high strangeness, um, you know, and, and I'm sure you're aware of John Keel and his work, you know, the Mothman yeah. prophecies and, and all that stuff and the high strangeness stuff that he got into, you know, I've experienced a lot of that weird stuff as well as uh, when you're getting a, an, a lot of action in the area um, you, or you're having a bit of a hot spot occasion, you know, once every couple of months, or whatever, it might go off for two or three days. Um, you'll also be having, so when you're having action up in the sky, we'll also be having strange things happening in the house, um, electrical things happening. Um, also, you know, um, weird things happening with mobile phones, weird things happening with um, communicating with people, uh, with uh, things flying off shelves, uh, you know, things disappearing completely, then ending up in the weirdest places and just some real strange things. Seeing uh, my father as well has seen uh, these things, these black things go behind me um, while we've been eating, you know, um, and he's also, we've also seen uh, this white figure glide down the hallway um, like it's leaning forward and fly into my, my father's room. I mean, stuff like that is really crazy. And when I told my father that, he said, you know, thank you. Why is that? And he goes, because I saw that thing at the foot of my bed. Um, something glowing and it and it glided down the side of his bed and just stood there and it was up off the floor apparently and it was some kind of figure I couldn't see a face or anything but really strange things you know like that so um, you know an analogy I like to use you know if you're a UFO hunter and you see a ball of light you know floating around inside your home you're likely to call it a ghost if you if you're a farmer and you see a ball of light on your property you're more than likely to call it a min min light or a mystery light like what you guys over in America will call them like the marfa lights in Texas and other lights over there other mystery yeah. lights and if uh, you're a ufologist and you see a ball of light in the sky you're more than likely to call it a ufo so i mean the same or similar kind of phenomenon is occurring in homes on the land, in the oceans, and up above us and all around us. So I, I believe that it's inherent, it's natural, just because we can't see it. Um, I believe that, yeah, it's around us at all times, and they're around us. Whatever they whatever they are, they can come in and out whenever they want. So, Yeah, yeah, it's it's a mystery, you know, and, and, and times like this make you wonder, like all these different things that you're mentioning. And also, you know, we can only see in a certain spectrum, there's a lot of things we cannot see and a lot of things around us we cannot sense in in so many ways but you know the new technology does change that a bit you know where uh we have ways of filming things and 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 seeing things you know i mean just for instance you know the night vision alone you know is pretty amazing we would have never thought about that you know many years ago that we'd be able to film anything like that i'm going to run the video and the just to tell the uh listener the video is uh basically of you taking pictures but i'd like for you to just kind of let everyone know what we're seeing here i'm going to start it right now here it goes sure these are just some photographs that have been taken i just put them in a small compilation this one here was a an orange ball of light and it was actually um over Tari in new south wales when i moved away from the country here a decade ago i went to this place and and it's another country place that a lot of people have seen strange lights and other phenomena there um, so what we're looking yeah, at right now is a several photographs right i mean pictures that you took these this aren't is actually, this is not a video no, this is not a, it's actually made into a video, um, but it's 211 
high-speed sequence photographs stitched together to basically make a movie. So at the time when I saw it the first time, I, I just started taking – normally I take photographs and a movie, but you don't know how long a UFO sighting is going to last. So I just um, continued taking photographs of it. I was lucky enough to, to be able to capture it in um, these 211 high-quality photographs too. So when you actually zoom in on the photos, you can see smaller orange spheres of light dancing around this larger sphere, which is quite incredible. That was witnessed by three people. Um, that almost looks, This one almost looks like the Tic Tac UFO. Yeah, <laughs> a few people have said that. Yeah. It's um, kind of a Tic Tac thing. Yeah, I've, I've seen them a few times um, around here, especially above that mountain range. Which is really strange, and one of the the infrared videos I have is one of those tic tac things diving into the mountain range without causing any disturbance whatsoever. A lot of these other uh, captures these photographs are just ones of uh, some of them are taken from video, some of them um, are just simple photographs, but most of them I have video of as well. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, red balls of light, orange balls of light, with seemingly with fields around them, um, which is really strange uh, i'm lucky to have captured what i've captured here um, you know a lot of them seem to be quite shy these ufos you know um, as soon as they see you coming they'll um, get ready to take off <laughs> a lot of them don't want you to film them and some don't really seem to care too much and yeah, it's really strange um we've was had that... your airplanes yeah i was just going to yeah. say there's an airplane in the last shot that just was up there yeah, um, yeah, that was another one where I got um, multiple dozens of photographs of this object uh, with a plane flying straight by it and um, the object just hovering perfectly still. Um, three balls of light stuck together, it seems. Um, we, we, I've captured quite a few of them. So a lot of these are taken from video as well. Um, there's a helicopter in that one which was circling this object, this ball of light that was bright as anything and um, moving through the sky, doing really short manoeuvres um, but it was leaving like a kind of residue in the sky behind it. And um, I've seen this hmm. uh, multiple times now before. And the, the residue dissipates quite quick, quite fast. So the um, whatever it is, is really strange. Um, you know, we've seen them like um, shoot out small balls of almost like a what you think is a solid ball, but then it dissipates into the sky. Um, other videos I, I have of these uh, white uh, spherical um balls uh some of them look even look like footballs moving through the sky with um other smaller balls of light actually flying into them at high speeds um into the bigger balls of light so that's really strange um, so some of these are the orange ones some of these are these multicolored red things uh with very very unusual captures um a lot of them a capture on the way to or from ufo conferences um where I talk at or if I'm making a documentary and flying into the state or whatever, um, a lot of them seem to appear like when we're leaving home or when we're getting back or at the end of the conference or whatever. We've, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of people at conferences see them with me uh, so and sky watches and, and stuff like that I've put on in the past. But, yeah, a lot of these objects are from Tari, Borkham Hills, uh, Trangy, New South Wales, Dunedoo, New South Wales, uh, Sydney, all over Sydney. Blacktown, uh, and just ending here in a capture. The, this was the first uh, UFO here that a friend of mine ever saw in his life, and um, he came up to see, hopefully, see one with me, and you know, and, and he saw one, which was incredible. And these you know, three uh, green lights that were just sort of hanging there in the sky, and 
you know, spinning around slowly and all this sort of stuff. It, it's quite amazing. So I'm lucky um, at this point over the last decade, um, and I guess including family, I'm up to now just over 200 witnesses who've witnessed strange phenomenon. You know, I'm not saying what they are. I don't know what they are. You know, like a, unlike mm. a lot of people, the UFOs don't talk to me. So whether they don't like me or not, they don't tell me I come from Pleiades or the Orion <laughs> or anything like that. You know, but yeah. at the end of the day, like I, I just call it as I see it, and um, trying to be as scientific or evidence based as I can without uh, going down the rabbit hole too far. So you don't want to do well, that. Well, I don't know if this is down the rabbit hole for you, but someone wants to know, have, do you experience any synchronicities in your daily life? And a lot, the reason uh, I posted that because a lot of people who have uh, sightings or a major sighting in their life seem to have these strange things happening. Uh, happening. Do you have any other strange things happening in your life besides what uh, you mentioned? Yeah, my life is, one big ball of strange. So <laughs> everything about it, everything about it, man. Um, just from the things that I see to yeah, behind the scenes, I've had a lot of the synchronicities, like seeing. Um, I went through a stage where I was seeing the number three, three, three everywhere I went, and that sort of I had to get that out of my head because I'm like, no, it's conspiracy. It's, <laughs> no, I'm trying to concentrate on the real, you know, photographing and videography and everything and getting documentaries out there. But, you know, when you have like strange things like that happen, you think, okay, well, is that for real or is that what, whatever, what happened? What just happened? You know, like deja vus and all that. I get that a fair bit. I have, I've had the sleep paralysis before. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. there's on on a couple of occasions it was quite nasty <laughs> and mm-hmm. um you know little things like that i've had i've seen uh what i thought were uh old like this one occasion especially i saw an old man walking towards the front door and as i was walking past the door and i, I saw him through the fly screen and I, I went to the kitchen put a cup on the sink turned around to go straight back to the door um and the old man who was near the front door walking up to it was completely gone and that was within a five second period. And so I've gone out and I've gone out into the front yard and I've looked into the neighbor's yards and I've looked up and down the street for cars or anything, nothing, just completely dead. So this, this old man had completely disappeared. And, um, that's happened a couple of times when I've seen someone and then look back and they're gone or so weird things like that, you know, I've seen since I was a kid, but I don't know if it has anything to do with this whole UFO thing or not, but I, I've, uh, for Haunted Skies, my documentary coming out. Mike Williams, who's a Fortiana investigator, sorry, sorry, Mike, here in Australia, he, um, and an author as well, and, you know, on the big cat phenomenon and, you know, in the Bigfoot and all that sort of stuff and UFOs and high strangeness. And, you know, him and I have been working on Haunted Skies now for on and off for like six years at least. We've been, you know, get, getting into this and then, you know, and it's about the connections between the different phenomenon that people are experiencing. Um, and it's going into my, uh, a lot of evidence that I've captured uh, of both the phenomenon in the homes and also up in the sky as well. So I know that there is some sort of connection, um, you know, and a lot of the points that I put across, maybe people say, oh, mate, it's just a coincidence or is this or that. But once it gets beyond a few more, a few than a couple of coincidences, you start thinking, okay, there may be something to this. And um, so, yeah, I'll be, be presenting a lot of evidence showing and a lot of scientific also um, background into this evidence as well, showing, um, you know, what I believe is going on here uh, on this earth. And it's a lot stranger than what people think. So, 
Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Jacques Vallée has said, you know, maybe we don't even know what it is, you know, and, and, and I agree with uh, that. That's a very much a possibility. Um, we're going into break here in about three minutes. Um, but uh, there was a, a, a question I think that came up that it made me think of something like, um, but, you know, oh, well, the question was, you have uh, you video too, because that's what the person wanted to know. I mean, you, we just showed you some st- showed everyone some still pictures, but you have a lot of video on this. I saw that in one of your movies. Um, you know, there's a movie up on Prime. You can rent it, um, and there's uh, that you're in, and then a, a, on one that you don't have to rent. I believe I can't remember the name of it, but on Amazon Prime, you can uh, see those movies. That's that's correct. Yeah, uh, we also have uh, fractured realities on YouTube as well, um, and part two is just about to come out of that. On on that um, part one, just went into you know speaking to a lot of witnesses, going through some basic steps of my life, showing you know um, a lot of footage and stuff like that, a lot of what I've seen and what others around me have seen and experienced mm-hmm. and stuff like that. UFO in you know presidents and. Um, investigators and stuff like that so part two is going into more of what we're seeing in the sky i.e uh the different types of uap the different categories um the the colors the types shapes uh their their characteristics you know what they do some of them sent uh seem to have the same characteristics like the red the spheres of light seem to follow and mimic movements of not just humans on the ground but they also seem to follow mimic movements of planes more probably more so than any other type of uap um, except for the white uap which of course as we know has gone back to the food fighter days where they used to hang on the wingtips of the planes and follow yeah. the plane movements and stuff like that but you know, there's a case, um, actually Jacques Delay and Chris Orbeck in their book, Wonders in the Sky, uh, bought it a couple of years ago when I purchased the book. Uh, I opened it up on a page, started reading and straight away, there's the case, um, of a gentleman, I think in the, you know, 15th century back in Germany who walked into a town and had a red ball of light follow above his head. And when he'd look up, it would stop. And when he would stop and he, when he would continue, it would continue following him. When he'd stop, it would stop exactly the same thing I saw when I was nine, but 500 years after this event in Germany. And that blew my mind. I thought, I, cause I'd never heard of another case of that where it was similar to mine that I've been speaking about the last decade publicly um, with one of these UFOs actually mimicking and following a human being. Um, yeah. So it's really, it's well, it's really just, bizarre. Yeah. 500 years is just a drop of time when, when it comes to the universe, but you're right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to go into break and we'll be right back right after these messages. Hang in there. Everyone, welcome back. Uh, this is Martin Willis, and my guest today is Damien Knott. And uh, welcome back, Damien. That was quite a snappy tune. This first time I played that that break. <laughs> but, uh, I was getting into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So someone wanted to ask. You know, the last question in our chat was, you know, do you have 
video. Now, you mentioned earlier that you have a website. Are, can people, well, why don't you do, uh, tell us what the website is? And, um, well, actually, and, sure. Go ahead. The, the, web, yeah. the website's actually been down now for a little while, so I'm working on a new one right now. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Had, so, so but, but once issue, that but, gets up, but once that gets up, you'll have, will you have some of the videos on there? Oh, absolutely. Um, the videos, photographs, um, only the best of the best ones where, you know, I've had witnesses with me who've seen them as well. Um, so, you know, I won't be putting up a lot of stuff that could be this or it could be that or whatever, you know, little lights off in the distance or something like that. You know, only bona fide up close videos and photos of, um, or as up close as what you can get, right? Uh, to these things. Um, uh, but yeah. Now you mentioned earlier you have about, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You mentioned earlier that you had a lot of about 60 cameras, right? That's another question that came up. Something like that, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, 58 um, now, 58 cameras. So. <laughs> that's, that's plenty. Now, are there times when it's kind of like fishing in a way, if anyone's ever gone fishing, you know, you wait in the boat sometimes for uh, hours and hours and hours and no fish bites um, is that kind of what can happen? Like are there many, many nights you'll be out there and there's nothing, but you, you're just, you just keep going back and, and how does that work? For, for me, I'm probably the laziest uh, ufologist or sky watcher, whatever you want to call me. Uh, you know, I've, I, basically the times I've gone out, uh, the times I've actively looked for UFOs, um, except for when I've gone to new areas or something like that. But when I've actually, gone out into the backyard or gone out into the front yard looking for them. I never see them. I never see them when I'm actively just wanting to just go out and see them myself. The the weird part of the weird and I guess high strangers part of this is the times that I see them uh, are when, you know, I'll be taking the rubbish bin out, not even thinking about them and just look up at one spot in the sky and they'll be sitting right there. um, And then they'll just blink out or they'll take off really quick in one direction or something like that. Um, And other ones, other times, you know, it's, it's before conferences, it's on the way to conferences. It's on my birthday. You know, I've had them appear literally either 20 minutes before my birthday, 20 minutes after my birthday or 10 minutes after my birthday at midnight when I'm literally just turning it, you know, um, go another year on this earth kind of thing. And then they just appear in really strange times. Um, but I, like I say, I'm lucky um, that I've had a lot of witnesses um, to, to most of the sightings I've had, especially over the last decade, which has been really good. So it makes me think I'm not, as crazy as you know, um, probably others probably think I am, or um, or my cameras are crazy too, yeah, you know, because my cameras are picking up this this stuff as well. So, I mean, it's um that's why I I tried also to get different cameras, and I have multiple cameras next to each other on rigs. So, if I get the chance to get a rig and get it outside and set up, most of the time you see nothing anyway, so it's a waste of time. But when you do, um, and you've actively got all the cameras going at once, you can capture it on a thermal camera, you can capture it on an infrared, a modified full spectrum camera, a 4K camera, you know, some other type of, um, format camera, you know, and, and so it rules out if you're capturing the same phenomenon on the cameras, it rules out on multiple cameras, it rules out an anomaly on a single camera. So the skeptics can't say, oh, it was just a camera anomaly. Okay, well, how come the same anomaly is appearing on five different cameras of different models and makes and everything? And 
yeah, and they can't explain that. So uh, that's evidence um, that's a lot uh, lot easier uh, to get through as evidence um, without it being smashed down by skeptics. So it helps when you have multiple bits of footage. So yeah, and how are how are the skeptics? How do the skeptics treat you? Oh, they're fine. They they steer clear of me now. Um, I, I was on a current affairs program here in Australia called Today Tonight with the uh, president of the Australian Skeptics Association at the time. And um, he tried to, you know, take me down a peg and rubbish my footage and all this kind of stuff. And, and then um, basically they got made out to look quite silly on the program um, to the point where they actually edited part of the program and then put it up down in Melbourne um, on Melbourne's Today Tonight so to make them look less silly because it, it was always the same excuses with skeptics. It's always um, no, the, the distance of the universe is too vast, the, the um, you know, the time, the speed of light and all this, you know, blah, 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 the stuff that they've, they've been saying, you know, there's no other planets out there that could hold life and now slowly science has been changing this, you know, we now know about exoplanets possibility of you know them hosting life out there and you know stuff on earth we're still finding five new species a day stuff we thought couldn't exist or or life forms that live in battery acid we're finding out things that you know yesterday we we had no idea about and said no that that's not possible so for skeptics to rule out you know the uh, distance factor and rule out this and that based on our own current understanding of physics is just a joke so you know um i know there's a lot more to physics i know there's a lot more to dark matter i know there's um and and what they uh, postulate as being um ulterior universes ulterior dimensions um, around us multi-dimensions whatever i know i'm sure that um this all ties hand in hand with what we're seeing um in our skies and experience the high strangeness stuff we're experiencing on the earth here too uh, so some it, it, it's it, i love the mystery part of it you know it's um yeah it's it's quite amazing it gets you hooked <laughs> you know hook yeah, mine yeah. And i think up. the mystery is yeah the mystery is uh, is the big hook for most of us i i do think that um, you didn't actually mean battery acid. You mean like the acidic, um, I think it was in the desert where they found those those uh, microorganisms uh, in like real acidic uh, water or something, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, they've actually found that life can exist in battery acid now too. They've actually found the, the little microbes that were swimming around in battery acid. Um, oh my god i didn't know that yeah 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 it's only fairly new so that blew me away i love um finding out new stuff about things we we didn't know you know yesterday so it's the same when people say you know you can't convince someone that ufos exist right um and they can have an open mind yeah sure but you can't say and they can't believe 100 percent within themselves anyway that you know, they exist and I, I know and blah, blah, blah. And how, you can't know unless you see. And then even when you see and you see multiple times, you still, most of the time you don't really know what you're seeing. It's just you're seeing it constantly. You're seeing their characteristics and what they're doing. But other than that, you can't really glean much more information from sightings or what we're seeing. So all I can really do is video and photograph it and, and, use, and have that as evidence um, of some type that, hey, don't know what it is but hey it's really strange and um it could be some type of natural earth anomaly that we know nothing about hence the paranatural enigma of this whole situation um and um of my book that's coming out is called a paranatural enigma as well so that'll be out within the next six months too so 
yeah, I, I try mm-hmm. and touch on it as deep as I can um, in the book and, and in the next couple of documentaries coming out. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. some of it, go ahead. Yeah. I just to give people a, you know, put it in, 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 and they can look at the evidence. They can, you know, postulate and say, okay, well, that, that may be, that's, you know, um, and so I'm just putting it out there and people can say, okay, whatever you can say, yeah, I believe it or not. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's just designed to make people think, um, about uh, the phenomenon, what it could possibly be, other than aliens coming from Mars or Venus. So, yeah. Yeah. Or so, maybe that's even part of it or not part of it. But, um, it you know, be. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, places in, in this country that you hear a lot about, you said the Marfa Lights. Also, there's Brown Mountain um, that people are seeing a lot of, um, you know, UFOs there, orbs and things like that. Uh, so there are places, and that was that's a high concentration of copper in that area. And there's okay. places I know you're probably very familiar with uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, you know, there's just these odd places in the world where yeah. things happen, and there may it's possible, as you just mentioned a second ago, that some of these may have a natural, uh, you know, a natural uh, occurrence of uh, of something we just don't understand at this point. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and, and it could be, but you know, when it gets into the weird, the really weird stuff, you know, like, uh, Bigfoot and, and, uh, you know, the, the things like you were mentioning that your father saw, you know, slide behind you and things like that, that, uh, you know, who knows what the, you know, if if something's actually happening, what the heck, you know, those type of things could, you can't even wrap your brain around what, what those things might be. Exactly. Uh, Um, and that's why I'm postulating that they may be coming from the same place as the UFOs. I mean, and another thing um, or another dimension or whatever the case is that, and every now and then they, they're seen in our dimension. You know, a lot of um, what I've looked into uh, shows that, you know, that the slim similarities between a, a phenomenal, I mean, both of the phenomenon, um, you know, ghosts, whenever they're around, they affect animals. Um, greatly you know animals go crazy mm-hmm. seemingly same as ufos yeah. animals seem to go mm-hmm. especially dogs and cows and everything seem to go it's like they sense there's a predator around or something it's more they do more than just bark sometimes my, i think my old dog gruffy he got so used to them a couple of times i caught him in the backyard here a decade ago like he was seeing heaps probably more than most humans i know um and one night i woke up and saw him staring up at a white light that was about maybe 30 feet above our backyard and he's just sitting there staring at it and I'm there calling him from the back window rough rough come inside get inside and yelling and he would nothing the light blinked out and then all of a sudden he barked a couple times up in the sky turned around looked at me and it was like he was out of some spell or something it was really really weird um but other times wow. yeah um, animals just seem to go absolutely not uh, crazy um when you and do you actually have you actually when they come down low you know, over town you know so you've actually witnessed the animal reactions besides your oh, dog? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A few times. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've seen balls of light move, glide silently over the tops of rooftops. So, so low that they were actually illuminating the rooftop as the tiles on the roof as it was going. Um, and uh, gee, we watched this and then it went behind a tree and it was half the size of the home that we were watching and right up in the backyard here. And, um, and it was headed towards these cattle that were outside of town. They were there for an auction. And um, 
the dogs and every the animals were going crazy. But then when it got to the area where the cattle were, the cattle started going crazy. The cattle were banging against the metal fences and just for, for a good 15 minutes, the cattle just went absolutely nuts. And I know that there wasn't any, you know, cattle mutilations the next day, as far as I know. But, you know, I witnessed this with my own eyes. Sorry, a lot of people in the town have seen them. Um, but, yeah, like, most people do keep it to themselves, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like my auntie, for instance, um, you know, she's out on the farm here just outside of town, a big farm, you know, 26,000 acres. And um, wow. and she she's seen um, lights over the property as well. And then when I asked her a decade ago, you know, have you seen any of these weird UFOs? She said, oh, yeah, the lights. Yeah, we see them uh, every now and then. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> and then that's all, you know, she didn't really care about it. She didn't mention it anymore it was like okay she's just a hardcore country farmer woman you know they don't make up stories like that or they don't she didn't care about it you know it's just a a phenomenon that they they witness she's witnessed and sort of they brush it off you know and just move along and keep working and that's just the way they are so amazing um this uh question how close have you been um to orbs or ufos what's the closest i guess I'll, i'll reframe that that you have been actually to uh, an object uh okay it wasn't an orb but it was a shaft of light it was a column of light maybe about five to six feet long it was hard to tell because it moved in really quite fast but um it was about in diameter about yay yay big um maybe about half a meter in diameter thereabouts um but it melted into the ground over my shoulder and I was picking up a camera at the time. And this was in a hot spot area in a place called Tipperary, um, North New South Wales here. And um, I was there with um, an author and I was there with another gentleman, another uh, UFO investigator. And I set the camera up on the valley behind us where in this small valley, there's a lot of activity and balls of light that just appear above trees and blink out and all sorts of weird things happen in this area. It's only a small area too, very small. Um, uh, and, and so I set the camera up at behind us and we're talking and, um, and then all of a sudden I've ground, bent down to pick up a camera. And the second I've done that, this light has come up over my shoulder, flown into the ground. I could have stuck my finger out and it would have touched my finger. That's how close this light was to me. And it melted into the ground, no sound, no noise, no disturbance of the ground, anything like that whatsoever. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, I jumped about 15 feet that way and Mike jumped about 10 feet backwards and we were just like, whoa, okay, that was pretty bizarre. So I've had him probably about that far away from me. That was the closest anomalous wow. light, I guess you could say. Um, but the, the funny thing is the, the following morning uh, when we got back home and everything and went through the foot, I went through the footage from the night before and sure enough, I've captured 13 other lights, the same shaft, column shafts of light, whatever they were, that are flying, changing direction and everything and flying into the ground, no noise behind our backs while this thing had flew into the ground next to my arm. So we captured 13 at the same time. While the while the um, Earth's magnetic field was being affected, you can hear the EMF trifield meters going absolutely crazy in the background while this is happening. Um, and, and people saying, hey, the meters are going crazy. What's going on? And blah, blah, blah. And then, then they saw the light. Um, but on other occasions, like I've had um, when I was nine, I had one about maybe 15 feet above my head, maybe 20. Um, I've had uh, one, a purple one, uh, two years ago above my tree just outside my office um, 
and it just appeared out of nowhere, bobbed up and down, like really silently for a second, uh, had like a white, it's hard to explain, but a purpley white exterior, and it was radiating out to a darker purple exterior on the, around the outside of it. Um, and, and then it just blinked out and was gone after giving off this bright flash. Um, and, you know, and yeah, that's probably about, oh, and one other time in, um, uh, where was I? Had a light follow, another red light, um, in Tari, uh, sorry, in Tari, in top ride about maybe 13 years ago. And it was at midnight and I was trying to get down to the service station before the service station closed to get some milk or something for the next morning for coffee. Um, and then, yeah, and I saw this thing above me and I got a photograph of that thing as well. And then a little bit of film before it zipped away. But yeah, um, that was probably about 10 feet away from me. It's quite close. Um, but yeah, Amazing. they don't talk to me. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why, what, what's the reason or motive or mission or whatever. Sometimes it does your head in trying to work it out, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the questions I had, and it looks like someone is also asking a similar question. Um, do you ever, uh, someone, uh, now this is an interesting question, but do you ever detect any, um, any sounds on any of these? And someone wanted to know also and any odor, which is an unusual question. Uh, actually the, the odor one is a bit, it's a good one because that's part of the things I'm going into in Haunted Skies as well. Um, a lot of, uh, witness reports speak about strange odors, odors almost like of sulfur. And I've smelt that only once in my life. Um, and, and that was inside a home. Um, I haven't actually smelt it coming from a UFO or, or, but I have had reports of others who've smelt the same or a similar kind of sulfur smell coming from UFOs. Um, I've smelt like a kind of like an eggy kind of smell once. And that was when the thing flew into the ground next to my arm um, and it, the ele- mm-hmm. electrical thing or whatever it was, um, plasma shaft thing. <laughs> I don't know what to call them, uh, but yeah, I did smell some sort of weird smell for a few seconds. Um, and, and then it just sort of dissipated. It was gone. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 a lot of people have reported, um, with poltergeist activity and other strange activity in their homes to, um, the sulfur smell. And, um, so yeah, there, there are a few, you know, that, that is a bit of a connection. Um, but it doesn't happen with uh, all cases or anything. It could be, uh, whatever is powering them or whatever energy they're giving off. It may be interacting with our oxygen, uh, maybe ionizing the air around it, causing the smell. Um, who, who knows really? It's, um, you know, one it's a mystery still. I can't, I wish I could tell you an answer a hundred percent, but yeah, unfortunately I don't have it, but there are reports of it happening. So all throughout history. What about sound? Any of these things that you've ever filmed, do you ever hear any sound from any of them buzzing or anything? I've heard buzzing once. Um, and that was just a second or two before a UFO had appeared out of nowhere. Uh, and I, that was once. I've never been able to record a sound. I've got some high-powered, you know, sound recording equipment trying to capture the sounds of these from these things and nothing. Um, well, I haven't been lucky so far anyway. I mean, I've caught other strange sounds and things in the home, but never never with the UFO stuff. And I've always had microphones pointed towards them and high-powered things and everything, and 
no, no luck. But I know that they do give off sound. I know that there are reports of it. I know I've heard the sound myself, the metal whirring sound, very low. Um, but, yeah, it's, again, that's quite rare too, the reports of sounds uh, coming from and Most of the time they're silent. So Yeah, that was the, one of the most, I've said this many times on this show, but when I had my UFO sighting, the, the fact that it was making no noise at all and moving was one of the most baffling things to me. Um, yeah. You mentioned just a minute ago that the meters were going crazy. So what are the meters? You have, you're registering um, some activity there on meters? Yeah, uh, we have, uh, you know, the, the good old school tri-field meters, um, you know, and we ha- we'll have it on some. And um, we're registering like very large localized magnetic field changes. So only in certain areas um, and areas near this mountain um, also where there's a lot of activity happening seemingly in the mountain or between the mountain and here there's a small river. It's very small though. So, but I know um, I've got film and footage of, um, you know, and I've had witnesses as well um, after a talk in Kayama down south here in New South Wales where we went to a beach. I had a talk in an hour. So, uh, you know, we went to the beach and um, in between the talks and uh, sure enough, you know, I, Myself and um, Lorraine Cilio, who's the president of um, Campbelltown UFO Research Organization here, you know, um, we're just looking out and all of a sudden this big ball of lights come across, undulating as well, across the top of the water, came towards us and then another one came past it, smaller ball of plasma or whatever you want to call it, and then the bigger one, that ball, smaller one disappeared and then the bigger one has flown right out across the ocean top um, right out to the horizon almost in a fraction of, a, and it's on the video, and it's a fraction of about five seconds, if that, it's right next to an oil tanker, you know, out on the ocean. And then it's hovering there, and then the next second it just goes doop, into the ocean at an angle like this without splashing any water, without any interference, physical interference on the surroundings. Absolutely incredible, and just gone. The, the UFO is gone. Um, and, and this has been reported as well all around the world. Um, the, the UFOs in the yeah. ocean, in the mountains, are uh, flying into mountains. What that that's part of the mystery that really gets me. I, I don't really care so much anymore about who they are or what they are. I just want to know like what is it uh, in regards to the inside of our Earth or underneath our oceans? What why are they going into there for? Like that's where I'm at at the moment. It's kind of doing my head in. I want to find out. Are they living there? Are there underground bases? Are there, you know, what's happening? I want to get a submarine and go and check it out, but I don't have one. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. There's, there's so much room under there. They could certainly hide if that's what they're, whatever they are, if that's what they're doing. Um, Someone wants to know, do the orbs ever respond to you or your thoughts? This is going back to the orbs. Are the orbs of light? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to say this, but a few times, maybe four or five times in my whole life out of all my sightings, I've put thoughts across there or whatever. And just to, just to see, you know, because a lot of people would say, Oh, have you done this? Have you tried this or whatever? And like, no, no, that's, that's not, that's not the way it works, but I've tried it. And on four or five occasions, I don't know if it's a coincidence or whatever, but they've changed direction or that they've, they've grown larger um, and flashed a bright flash from the sky or, stuff like that so out of all the sightings i've had it's only happened you know four or five times where you know so i can't say that oh yeah 100 percent, because 
out of a couple hundred sightings, you know, four or five times isn't enough to say that, oh, yeah, that's definite. Yes. So, you know, it's – um, but it did happen in front of um Sun Herald reporters that I had in the backyard here, and they came into town and they saw UFOs come over. And But before that, Mariana Flynn said to me, oh, can you get your friends to come? And I was like, oh, no, no, no stress or anything. And like, as if I got them on a rope, I can pull them down or something like that, you know? And I was like, yeah, all right. But I tried and I thought, I just sat there and I was silent. We had the reporters over here, ran in the yard for like five minutes. And then I thought, and within five seconds over the house, two balls of light, white balls of light are playing a game of tag across the sky and go right over the house. And the reporters see it. Uh, the UFO president lady saw it. it. They were all just blown away. They didn't know what to do. They just stared at these two things playing a game of tag across the sky, changing speed, uh, catching up to each other. Then the one in front would speed ahead. Then the other one would speed up. And this happened for about three minutes across the sky. And they were just playing this slow game of tag. It was just couldn't have asked for anything more in front of these reporters at the time that they're at a house talking about a guy who's seen UFOs in town and then two come <laughs> over the house. It was just luck or coincidence or sometimes it doesn't feel like that. You know, sometimes it feels like it's almost preordained or, or there's something more to this um, than what meets the eye than just um, maybe, you know, maybe there's more to it than just luck with my captures. You know, I, I don't know. I really don't. So Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, have, have you seen this? Is a question. Um, you want this person wanted to know: Have you seen the USS Omaha video recently? That's uh, out there, where the UFO uh, slash USO it appears to like go into the ocean. No splash or anything, apparently. But um, the question is: Have you actually seen that the video that's floating around um, on the internet now? Actually, I, I did see a, a uh, screenshot of it, I think. I haven't actually watched the video yet, though, so I'm going to have a look yeah. at it and check it out later. But, yeah, it's good if they've got footage of that happening. I'm sure it would show the same thing as what mine captured. They don't seem to affect the physical surrounds. So you dive into water, no splash, no effect on the water whatsoever. They can dive in and land, similar effect. So, yeah, uh, it's good that the, yes. they're releasing Bizarre. some footage. Yeah, it is. Well, this uh, this is another Jeremy Corbell uh, released video, and this is also another iPhone capture of a screen. So uh, that's what these have uh, been and been iPhone captures that he's releasing. It makes me really wonder um, the source of these things. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. of course, I haven't I haven't spoken to I haven't spoken to, to Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, it is really interesting. And there is a lot of talk now out there about, you know, the different mediums that these things seem to be able to go through without any changes. It, it is really interesting. Um, and as far as uh, the, have you seen, have you filmed in, there are no drones out there, right? I mean, this is really bizarre. Uh, you don't see any drones out your way anyway, because you said you're in a, kind of a low populated area, but are there any military bases anywhere near you? Uh, north of us here, they're about two hours away. Oh, sorry, about three-hour drive away, there's a military base. Um, and that's up at Newcastle. Uh, maybe three and a half hours, something like that. Yeah, it's um, pretty far north. That's the closest one. Um, and then we've got – they fly every now and then. They'll fly their jets across Dunedoo here, and they'll head out to a place called Dubbo and then – 
come back again and you know so yeah the the, the area is a military fly area um but the funny thing is you hardly ever see them the most of the times that we see military craft come over here is when there's a ufo in the area and we've we've actually got them on film going around and around town here while there's like flashing lights appearing behind them trailing the uh, aircraft, um, these UFOs that we call flashes, flasher-type UFOs, normally they're seen higher up in the sky and they give off a really bright flash and then they'll move over here, give off a bright flash over here and then sort of stick around the same spot. Some of them move and change direction while they're flashing and doing all sorts of really bizarre things in the sky. Um, but between the flashes, most of the time they're actually invisible. So we're seeing a lot of that type of strange UAP activity. Um, I've seen it for, you know, I think about 15 years myself. But I haven't been capturing them until the last decade. Um, so that's another phenomenon also that seems to be uh, linked to the UAP phenomenon, whatever that is. Um, they seem to be some sort of invisible protectors in the sky because I've been filming other UFOs and these flashing objects will intercept these other like UFOs actually moving through our sky. Um, and in between the flashes, daytime, nighttime, it doesn't matter. They're up there um, and we've got footage of them during both daytime and nighttime showing something hovering above buildings in the city um giving off bright flashes and then disappearing you know the, the, there's no link between the flashes there's no timing between the flashes they're quite random and also the fact that they some of the flashes are quite large and quite bright some of them are quite small and fast um some of them change color to a different color um an orangey or a red color when they flash they're really strange so whatever they are i know that the um and from what we saw with the military craft here um, the, the two jets that came into town, what we saw, the military must know about them because they, they're going around while we had multiple ones in the sky that night that were seen by multiple people in the town here, um, even just hovering above telegraph poles. Um, they come down that low sometimes. So it's really strange. <laughs> the whole thing is really bizarre. So I think right. they haven't told people because it probably freak a lot of people out. This truth, you know, would have back in the day, maybe nowadays because of the internet and everything and people are more open-minded to the phenomenon. Maybe now we'll take it in a different way, but yeah, we'll soon find out. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, question. Have, have you ever had any discussions with any of the uh, Aboriginal population about these things? Yeah. Um, I've discussed this with a couple of Aboriginal people, a couple of elders. Um, there's actually a park here, um, a national park, um, about maybe 50 minutes drive north of here. And, you know, you go up into the mountains and everything. And there's a legend in this forest. Um, it's a really ancient forest, you know, the ones with the massive trees and they go up really, really high and they, um, you know, it blocks out the sky and there's a, a weird mist in the place. And it's kind of one of those eerie kind of, you know, rainforest kind of places. Anyway, um, going back, you know, thousands of years, there's actually a legend of the Pleiades star system written on a tablet when you go into this place. And it's the Aboriginal tribe that used to live there would speak of, um, a Barayaka, which is like a sky god, a god in a ball of light that would come down and cruise across the treetops. And they speak about this. And one night, uh, the, well, it used to be a thing for people in the tribe to go to the tops of these tall trees to climb up to witness these lights or this god uh, flying around. And one night there were several women that actually climbed up the tree and um, the, the, the sky god took them 
according to the Aboriginal legend, took them off and they be- became the Pleiades star system, according to Aboriginal legend, which is pretty you're pretty out there. There's a lot of uh, you know legend of the Pleiades and very on, along similar lines around the Earth, which is pretty fascinating as well. Um, but here in this place, uh, you know, uh, but the, the, they added a bit of a funny bit to it, um, because one of the stars in the Pleiades star system isn't as bright as the other stars. The Aboriginal said that that's because the woman that was taken was not as pretty as the other woman, <laughs> as the other women oh, that were taken. So she wasn't as was pretty. Nice so her, yeah. her star didn't shine as bright. <laughs> so it's pretty out there. But, oh, well, yeah. but she had a good heart, though. Anyway, yeah. uh, we have a. We have Joni from Pennsylvania on the line. Hi, Joni. Welcome to the show. Hi. Joni, are you there? Hi there. Yes, I'm here. Hi. You have a question for our guest tonight? Yes, I do. Um, How has COVID-19 and the wildfires in Australia affected the Bigfoot and UFO community expeditions there? Oh, yeah, everything's uh, slowed right down. You know, if, I think if there's exhibitions, they've been uh, on, on, on the phone or on a Zoom call or a conference call or whatever the case is. Um, yeah, but everything's, you know, because of the – not so much the fires as much now. I mean, they're, they're mostly over. It's the um, it's more the COVID has really affected everything, uh, slowed everything right down. And, you know, doing talks and presents. You can't have a certain amount of people in one room uh, and, you know, all this stuff, and you go socially distance and everything, six feet apart and everything. So, yeah, it's been a bit hard to do any of that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, everything slowed right down, the whole paranormal field. So, Anything else, Joni? Yes. I want to know, have there ever been any mass sightings in Australia of UFOs in the cities in the past few years? Mm, Has there any, been any mass, sightings of you? Mass sightings. No, mass sightings. Uh, well, a lot of people, no, a lot of witnesses. Yeah. Not, not really. No, nah, not really in Australia. I mean, there's been actually. I lie. Oh, I don't lie, but five, probably about five years ago, there was a kind of like a mass sighting where a gentleman from um, Randwick uh, said that he spotted an object over Randwick Racecourse, uh, and this was early in the morning, about seven thirty or something, and then. So from there, he called up the radio station and the radio was talking about it and people were then calling in saying, I see it too, I see it too. And so I actually got my cameras out. I heard about this and uh, I looked outside and, oh, my, there's this thing, you know, and, uh, wow, I filmed it. And on I filmed it on about 17 different cameras, I think. <laughs> I went a bit overboard, but it stayed there in the one spot for ages. You know, the wind was going and everything, it, nothing was affecting this thing. Uh, and I got really close to it. We even had a black helicopter go right up to it, circle it underneath it, and then take off and then hover over here for a while. And yeah, it was really, really bizarre. Um, so a lot of people saw that one. Um, but they tried to explain, I made the news and everything here, but they tried to explain it away as what was it? The Google loon balloon that had come down low and was just sitting there and doing nothing so apparently it was the google loon balloon but i don't believe that i saw the google loon balloon i know that it, it's got a lot dangling from the underside of it and there was nothing there um and the fact that you know i know balloons I've, I've, I've filmed them for years and i've seen them for years we know that a little bit of wind will bring them over this way or take them that way or whatever but this thing just stayed perfectly still for at least you know an hour and a half to allow us to film it so um and you've wow. seen the 
there's wind everywhere in the video and the trees are going everywhere and but this thing perfectly still so i, I don't know of any uh physics bending google loon balloon that can do that myself so excellent well joni thanks so much Thank you. Thank you. All right. We have Scott calling from Massachusetts. By the way, the number, if you're uh, listening, is 855-472-5483. Bill is standing by. Scott, welcome to the show. How are you, Martin? I'm doing well. Thank you. You have a question for our guest tonight? Yeah, Damien, how are you? This is Scott Brown. Hey, Scott, how's it going? How are you? Hey, I, was, um, I was wondering, um, I, I'm currently using uh, a Psionics color night vision camera for the work that I'm doing uh, during the night shots. Sure. And I was wondering, uh, what is your, you know, what is your favorite equipment for daytime, nighttime? Well, I use something quite simple. It's easy. Uh, my favorite camera for shooting daytime is a Panasonic HC VX870M uh, camera and I love that I mean it's 4k you know it's not the best quality 4k but it's decent but uh, the good thing I like about it it's got old school night vision in it like the old school Sony night vision so you can actually attach a uh, infrared R72 Kenko lens just say uh, on top of the night vision um, turn it on during the daytime and you can actually film invisible type UFOs with this particular camera during the daytime and also uh, nighttime as well. It's got a manual jog wheel as well, which helps and you can pick them up now for, you know, five, four hundred dollars, four fifty, five hundred. And it came out a few years back. It was, you know, eight ninety or nine hundred dollars or something. But a lot of people ask me and I just say, look, keep it simple. Uh, yeah. The Panasonic camera is quite simple to use, easy. You can modify it, the whole kit. Uh, but nighttime, I like to use a uh, what's called an iGen 2020 um, camera, um, which is really good because you can. It's got a decent picture quality. You can adjust the the colors in it as well, make it multiple different colors, not just green or white. Um, you can make it all different colors. You can also, um, you know, it's got the manual. Uh, adjustments it's got also the best part is the uh external video recording capabilities uh where you can actually record it to a an external video unit um which increases the quality of the uh, photo or video you're trying to get um at the only problem with the igen 2020 is it has a built-in um sd card recorder but uh it doesn't record video it only records photograph so you've got to get an external little recording unit and you can record the video to the external unit and that's the cheapest Uh, best for the price uh unit that i recommend to anybody so for nighttime footage so well i'm glad you're still out there hunting (laughs) I, i don't hunt them like i've had more luck just kind of ignoring them myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks, mate. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Hey, All right, thanks well, for the call, Scott. Thanks, All right. Scott. So, All right. Next, we have Brett from Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hi. Thank you. Hi. I got, you have uh, a question for our guest? Yeah, I do. I, uh, a couple of questions here. First, um, how's the Yowie doing these days? I'm sorry. <laughs> 
don't know. How's the Bigfoot going uh, nowadays? <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's getting some shots. But uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, I have uh, some friends that are, you know, what you would call ghost hunters. And uh, it's it's kind of like this digital analog question that I'm just curious about. If you use film cameras uh, alongside with your digital gear, and if so, if you uh, have, have find more results with film compared to digital or vice versa, Actually, I don't use uh, video cameras anymore. I, I've used them in the past. I've had them on the tripods next to the digitals. And actually, I, I had no more luck with the film than I, I'm getting with the digital recordings that I'm doing with the digital cameras. So, yeah, I mean, some people, I mean, have had some luck with the digital, with the uh, film type cameras still. Uh, you know, and I like uh, old school film cameras as well. It's just, um, Digital is just so much easier to use, and you know, I, I just I've never had luck. It's like with um when people ask me about the C5s, have you had much luck with that? No, I haven't, unfortunately. Like out of several that I've attempted, you know, I've only seen something a couple of times, and uh, and that's when I took off away from the group. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's um it's just one of those things. It's different for uh, different yeah. people. So. Yeah, I got one last question. First off, good. Uh, I'll have to watch some of your other documentaries. Uh, Australian Skies was a great piece of work. Uh, were you uh, always interested in documentary filmmaking, or was it like your passion or quest for the unknown that made you want to push this out into the public eye more so that turned you know, that pushed you into the documentary filmmaking? Uh, yeah, it's, it's basically because I wanted to tell my story on my grounds, um, and not on some other documentary makers grounds. Um, I wanted to, you know, because it's like with Hollywood and Hollywood studios, when they do true stories, right? It's all, they always add something like a love story or they add some extra just rubbish to make it, you know, more palpable for more audiences or whatever. Uh, but me, I just wanted to tell the story the way it is the way that it comes from myself from my heart, my, my memory and everything like that and not have it changed by someone else. So that's why I thought, Hey, it's the best thing. If you're going to say something, it's best to say it yourself in life, not have someone else say it for you or change what you're saying or whatever the case is. So I had a a couple of bad sort of run-ins where that happened in the beginning. And I just thought, okay, well now I'm going to start doing it myself. And, you know, then I can just sort of get past the whole uh, people trying to blow it out of the water and trying to, yeah, in a way, like when people make all these stuff up that you didn't say or, or try and, um, ex- extenuate what you did say just to make it more, you know, or get more people to watch or whatever the case is, which a lot of people do. Like, um, in conferences here in Australia, they'll, they'll call me like stupid things like UFO magnet or whatever. It's just to get people to come or get people to, you know, come to the talk or whatever. It's ridiculous, yeah. but just the way it is. Same with Hollywood and same with, um, everything else so i'm not i just want to do it myself do it just the way it is speak from the heart and you know that's that's my direction with this anyway with i'm going into the filmmaking side of it more so so. awesome thanks thank you for your time no worries hey no worries hey brett uh yeah thanks thanks for the call so uh the lines are yeah all right thanks all right the lines are open and uh, let's see. Looks like I'm I'm getting a call from someone that I can't. I think she's uh, trying to call. She's from Australia. I'll try to talk to her 
on how to uh, dial the, the, the show number. Um, but anyway, um, what I, what I want to ask you is the question that people must ask you a lot. And that is why you, you know, why are people, uh, I mean, why are UFOs attracted to you? You just said UFO magnet. Well, I, I can sort of understand that and, and, and where that comes from, but why do you think that is? Uh, I wish I had an answer. Um, and look, I, I think I've always put it down to it's because I look up probably more than most people do, right? And the more you look up, the, the better chance you have of seeing something at the end of the day. So most people I know for a fact don't even bother looking up at the sky. Maybe once a blue moon, they'll look up at the sun or something or the moon or whatever. And, and most of the time they're on the video games, they're at work or they're whatever, living life, right? Uh, most people don't even look up. So I'm probably a little bit luckier than most because I do bother to look up because um, I've had, you know, this has been throughout my whole life since I was a kid. So it's all I know is that these things are around. And so every now and then, yeah, I do look up probably more than most. And that's probably why I see more than most people. So, um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of people can go their entire life and never see not even one. So, and then it's just happening over and over. I mean, and, and it's not just exactly the place you live. I mean, you go to other places and you see them or people see them around you. I mean, do you ever think there's, I'm, I'm not trying to create any type of conspiracy, but I mean, do people, other people also question, is there something about you that makes you um, see able to see these things where, um, you know, again, someone can go their entire life and not see one single thing. Yeah, that's a good point. I do get asked that question quite a quite a fair amount. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I wish I could say, "Hey, yeah, I'm special" or something like that, but I can't say that. As far as I know, I'm just a normal person. My life has been sort of, you know, up and down and weird since I was a little kid. You know, I had a mother who was a bit out there and a bit whatever, and you know, my life is probably not as normal as most people's. So I've looked into that. I thought, is it got something to do with my upbringing? But no, a lot of people have bad upbringings and they don't go and see UFOs their whole life, you know? And so it's like, okay, they've ruled that out. Um, family history is a family history. You know, the first knot, um, my line on my father's side of the family was a, um, a, a Viking king called King Canute. Uh, who invaded England a thousand years ago, became king of England and that. He was, he was the first of my family line of knots. So, I mean, I've looked into that. Is it because of my family line? Is that why I'm now a thousand years later seeing UFOs or do they follow certain lineages or throughout history, certain people? Uh, that's what it does seem like. It does seem like that they are following certain individuals, but why would it skip a thousand years of um, you know, generations of this one family line and then just all of a sudden hit one person and smack him in the face a thousand years later. It doesn't make much sense. But um, who knows, really, with, none of the phenomenon really makes much sense anyway. So, you know, yeah. the, the more yeah. the more that you look into it, the, the more answers that the phenomenon actually does throw at you, which is unlike anything else in the world, the more you look, if you're a plumber or you're a carpenter or whatever, the more you do your job and the more you find out about it, the more you know. But the more you find out about the UFO phenomenon, 
the less you actually do know, if you're honest to yourself and honest to people around you, the the less you do actually know because it is quite strange um, in multiple different ways. And a lot of people who speak about the UFO phenomenon and you know ghost phenomenon and stuff like that, they've never actually even experienced it. They've got an interest in it or they've heard stories about it or whatever the case is, but most of them haven't seen it themselves. So I think um, coming from someone like myself who's researched it, you know, and all the cases and everything about it for 33 years and actually seen the phenomenon at the same time, that would probably be a bit more helpful on my end um, with what I'm doing with the documentaries, with um, what I'm talking about with the UFO phenomenon and everything. You know, that's kind of helped me out a lot more than just, say, someone who's seen something in the sky a couple of times or whatever and, you know, and starts postulating or questioning what it is. And a lot of people who do that, who just see maybe one or two sightings, a lot of them seem to go over the deep end. And I've had people who actually think that they're Jesus and other people who think that they're Satan and other people who think that they're special. And they, I even know a cult leader who saw a UFO and thinks now that he's like Jesus. So, I mean, yeah. I know how it affects people, I know, but me, I'm lucky because I've had a grounding. I've seen them since I was a young kid, so they've become part of my life. So it's not something I've seen at a later age, and then my ego was huge and massive later on. And then, you know, it's something I don't think I could ever get a huge ego from what I've seen and experienced because some of it's been terrifying. Some of it's been you know, wow, amazing and everything. And it's been great um, proving it to people around me who've seen it as well. That, that's that been excellent because growing up as a kid, I couldn't talk to anybody about this, um, friends, family, you know, people would think you're nuts whenever I would talk to somebody about it. They think you're crazy or whatever. And you, you can't get past that stigma. And that's why I say to everyone, you have to see it to believe it. Like the old saying goes, you have to see it to believe it. So. Let's talk about what what was terrifying. What what type of sighting was terrifying to you? I had a sighting uh, two years ago, uh, and it's why I'm up here now. Actually, um, I got quite unwell after it. Uh, I started having seizures. Uh, it was a close up sighting. Um, I think I mentioned it before. Purple ball of light above the tree. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it gave off like a bright white flash. Um, you know, I held up my arm in front of my face. I had my dog next to me and everything. Um, my dog started having seizures within a few days as well. So my dogs had seizures. I, I started having the same seizures. Um, during one of the seizures, I fell over and broke my back in three places. So I was laid. So I had to leave the kind of the UFO field at that stage and just kind of concentrate on getting healthy and all that stuff but they found out that after this encounter with this light it just it only lasted a very small amount of time um then it disappeared uh but i um the the following day i started developing a red mark down my left arm where i held it up in front of my face um and within about a week week and a half it started developing into blisters um, and the blisters were like these green blisters, very bizarre looking things. Um, and, you know, daily I'd take photos of it or film it or whoever's around me will see it. And it, it got pretty full on. Um, that's what I'll, I'll, I'll say that. But they found out also that I have a rare bone disease called HO, hypophosphatemic osteomalacia, which can be caused by ex multiple exposures to radiation. So, Hmm. Yeah, and they asked me what what type of work do you do where you work around radiation, and I couldn't answer and say oh, I, I chase UFOs or I hunt them or I or I'm a well known whatever UFO magnet. They would have thought I was absolutely 
insane. Obviously, uh, I've had bad reactions from a doctor in the past from migraines I used to get after a close-up contact um, with one one time. And I went to see him, you know, for some migraine medication. I had this thing for three days. I couldn't get rid of it. And um, surely enough, he said, what do you think caused it? And I said, well, it was the light, a bright light and um, that I saw. And so he started writing out a the typing out on his computer and then printed out this thing and handed it to me. He said, uh, before I help you with your migraine, um, you need to go down and see these people. And it was for a mental health uh, assessment sure. team. Yeah. 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 And so he wouldn't help yeah. me with a headache because uh, I said, I saw, I was honest and said, I saw a ball of light and I just want to see his reaction from it. Like to see if he believed me or whatever, but no, nah, it's just most doctors still, still so much of a stigma attached to it, even to this day. So, Right. I want to grab this call real quick because she's calling from down your way. She's been on this show before. Um, Irene, welcome to the show, Irene. We only have a couple minutes left. Sorry, Irene. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Oh, yes. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) You have a question for our guest? uh, Yes. Um, I just wanted to say... um, Hello and thank you for coming on the show. Um, uh, yeah, look, um, fellow Australian, very proud of you. <laughs> um, keep up the good work. Thank you for um, taking this very seriously and doing it very thoroughly. Um, I just wanted to also just put in quickly the Westall incident and the Gosford incident are a couple of mass sightings. I don't know if you're aware of the Westall incident in 66, so just for the other viewer that was asking or the listener that was asking if there have been any mass sightings in Australia. Oh, yes, um, of course. Yeah. Yes. Also, oh, yeah, and, and there was Gosford as well. Gosford, there was a, a mass yeah, UFO sighting too, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, coming out, I think, the reservoir, wasn't it, in relation to drawing up water? That's quite a fascinating incident. That yeah, more it was sucking up the water, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Irene, Irene, while you're on, just just a quick second. I saw something on the news uh, floating around yesterday about something new about Westall. Did something happen? Someone come forward or something? Um, there's yeah, there's little. Uh, it was I think the cameraman uh, was uncovered. One of the cameramen that was uh, that's covered right. The news has been located. So Shane Ryan's got information on that. So yeah. Um, I've had much more than that, really. But just coming yeah, back, well, Damien, with your, with everything that's coming out, with um, uh, well, just yesterday, CBS covered this UFO story, UFO business with the Navy pilots quite seriously. I'm wondering if it might be the time to revisit someone about um, testing you and your medical issues and you know, finding, <laughs> I guess, a UFO-friendly researcher or scientist to examine you because you seem to be a a very interesting um, subject for the phenomena itself that keeps appearing around you and following you, causing bodily changes on you. Um, I think you should be studied. What do you think All of right, that? Irene, I, Irene, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to cut this short. We just have, we're, we're allowed one more minute. So we only have one minute, uh, Damien, okay, if you can wrap that up. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, sure. 
Well, I've had uh, Harvard Medical School contact me. Um, apparently, they found that in people, like for a study, and apparently they found in people like me who see multiple UFOs over a lifetime, that during uh, MRI tests or MRI scans, they found that part of the, our brains are lit up that are not lit up in, I guess, normal people's brains for some reason. Uh, and to be in this study, you had to have over 15 sightings, have witnesses to all those sightings, have video and photo evidence of those sightings and some sort of physical evidence of some sort of physical contact with um, whatever these things are. So, um, Well, I'm so sorry, but we have to cut. Yeah, yeah, we have to cut it short. But Damien, I'm really sorry that we have to stop right now. But thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. You're more than welcome. Thank you for having me on the show and thank you for your audience. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You you bet. Take care. Take care. Good luck with all the films and everything. All right. So next week we have a really interesting show. We have Jack Bushong. Um, He has not been on any show. Uh, He was a FAA um, uh, involved person with the UFO sighting. He's going to be on and also Ian Rogers from up in Canada. Thank you everyone. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky. We'll see you next week.